0: This is Gene Lance on the Worker's Beat Extra. Is artificial intelligence the best thing that could happen for unions? Or is it a horrible menace that's going to destroy the American workforce? Which do you think? Despite all the hullabaloo and the cautionary warnings, one thing is absolutely clear. Artificial intelligence is going to be implemented and it will have profound effects on many people's jobs, if not everybody's jobs. Ever since the days of the Luddites, unionists have had a tendency to resist new technology. You remember who the Luddites were? They were weavers who did not like the new looms that were being built that replaced a lot of the workers. So they tried to destroy the looms in the uh, textile factories. So as this is written, movie and TV writers are on strike. And guess what? One of their issues is artificial intelligence. They fear that it's going to cut into their jobs. In other words, companies will start using artificial intelligence instead of hiring good riders. They're afraid of that. And unions generally have been afraid of new technology as time goes by, but maybe unions should be glad to see artificial intelligence come through. First of all, let me explain how we can overcome the threat, and then I want to talk about how we could actually use this technology for ourselves. First of all, On overcoming the threat? We've had the answer all along. For most of labor history, unions had a perfect defense against job losses due to automation. The defense is shorter working hours. In other words, what the Luddites should have said is, go ahead and put those looms in and go ahead and replace one out of every three of us And we'll just take shorter working hours for everybody and we'll collect the same amount of money since you're still producing the same amount of cloth and everything will be fine. We just won't be working quite so long. A system like that would work similarly to the way that cost of living raises defend us against inflation. Now, cost of living raises go to those workers that are lucky enough to have them whenever inflation goes up. So like last year when inflation went up 9%, workers that had COLA, cost of living, probably got something like a 9% raise in their paycheck. So COLA works as a defense against inflation and shorter working hours would work as a defense against automation. Every time worker productivity went up, Every time new machinery or new ways of doing things came around we would get shorter working hours or at least shorter straight time working hours and more overtime working hours if we wanted to work overtime. But our straight time working hours would be cut without any cut in our pay. That's been our defense against automation all along in our history. The slogan that mobilized the Worldwide Worker Movement in 1886 was this, quote, 8 hours for work, 8 hours for rest, 8 hours for what we will. Remember that back in those days, people worked 12 or 14 hours a day. American workers demanded and got, we won, the Fair Labor Standards Act in 1938. It guarantees that we'll get time and a half overtime pay Every time we work over 40 hours in a week, and it covers nearly all jobs. There are some exceptions, but it covers nearly all jobs in America. Almost immediately after we won that one, we started going for another cut in our hours. The Congress of Industrial Organizations, also known as the CIO, began demanding, quote, 30 for 40 with no cut in pay, end quote. In other words, workers should work 30 straight time hours in a week and still receive 40-hour straight time paychecks. Sometime after the all-out government and corporate attack on unions that began in 1946, we lost sight of our remedy for automation. Since then, automation has eaten away our jobs and our union membership numbers That's probably the main reason that union membership has been falling ever since the early 1950s, because our jobs are disappearing, because automation has made them unnecessary. And we don't have a defense, because somehow or another, after 1946, the unions just lost the idea of getting a cut in working hours every time productivity goes up. The whole slogan, 30 for 40 with no cut and pay, used to be a regular demand of unions in their contract negotiations, and then somewhere in the 1950s, they just seem to have forgotten about it. Now, artificial intelligence, many workers believe, and I think they're right, they will hit us even harder than earlier technological changes. That is one of the reasons that the writers' union is on strike in California. They want to delay the use of artificial intelligence in their industry. Technological changes do not have to hurt working people. If we demanded and got shorter hours, as previous workers' movements have done, then we could welcome the lower prices and increased leisure that artificial intelligence could bring into industry. In other words, we don't have to be afraid of it. We just have to learn how to fight for shorter working hours as we used to do. Now suppose that we took care of the threat. Now we can talk about how we could actually use artificial intelligence in the workers movement. As soon as you think about it, you start realizing that we could use it a lot. Unions need to do more organizing, political work, and proselytizing. Everybody knows that. But if you ask almost any union officer or staffer why they aren't doing more of it, they'll give you the same answer. Quote, I don't have time, end quote. And it's true. They don't have time. Because they spend almost every hour of every day enforcing their local union contracts through their grievance procedure. As soon as an employer agrees to a union contract, they start violating it. Union officers and staffers are kept busy trying to get justice for their members, and it takes a lot of their time. It takes pretty much all of their time. But artificial intelligence could cut grievance handling time. It is my understanding that artificial intelligence could actually be of great assistance to lawyers because it can actually read the law, whether it's uh, old English common law or whether it's legislative law or whether it's court decisions or whether it's just plain ordinary common practices. The lawyers could be using artificial intelligence, and I'm sure they are. And that is a lot more complicated than a union contract and a background of past practices. All the union officers and staffers, generally, what, what they know is the union contract that they're dealing with and possibly some of the background of past practices. Sure, it's true. Artificial intelligence doesn't always find the right answer. And unfortunately, it lies and it says that it does have the right answer. But in most cases, artificial intelligence does find the right answer. So it just needs to be monitored by a few experts. You don't need an army of grievance handlers anymore. You could do that with artificial intelligence and a few experts. Only a few grievance handlers could cover thousands of workers under hundreds of contracts using artificial intelligence. The rest of the officers and staffers could be using their time to build union strength. Think about it and you'll realize that it's absolutely true. Right now, for example, artificial intelligence can already answer questions about labor law. I tried it. And I know it's true. I Googled, for example, can my boss keep me from visiting my sick mother? And I got a number of responses. I also got a lot of responses when I asked, does my boss have to pay me overtime if I worked 42 hours last week? I also got good responses when I asked, does the Texas payday law require employers to pay immigrants on time? Here's what happened. I logged on to ChatGPT, which is free right now. You can just log on to it, just in its present state. I'm not talking about it being fixed up particularly for unions or anything. I logged on to ChatGPT, and I asked, quote, Does the Texas payday law require employers to pay immigrants in a timely way? And here's what ChatGPT responded immediately. It said, yes. The Texas Payday Law requires employers to pay all employees regardless of their immigration status in a timely manner. The law states that all employees must be paid at least twice a month, and employers must pay employees for all hours worked. The law also requires that employees be paid their wages no no later than the next regularly scheduled payday after the pay period in which the wages were earned. It is important to note, now this is the chat GPT talking, it is important to note that the Texas payday law applies to all employees who perform work in the state of Texas regardless of their citizenship or immigration status. Therefore, employers who fail to pay their employees in a timely manner may be subject to penalties and fines under the law. My friends, that is exactly the right answer to my question. A lot of people don't know that, but employers do have to pay their employees in Texas in a timely way, and it doesn't matter whether they're immigrants and whether or not they have papers or not. So that was exactly right. So I ask it another hard question. And this is another one that most people don't know. Is my employer required to let me off work to attend my sick sister? ChatGP answered immediately. The answer to your question may depend on the laws in your specific jurisdiction and the policies of your employer. However, in general, most jurisdictions have laws that require employers to provide employees with time off for family or medical reasons. In the United States, for example, the Family and Medical Leave Act, FMLA, requires employers with more than 50 employees to provide eligible employees with up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave per year for certain family or medical reasons, including caring for a seriously ill family member. If your employer is covered by the Family Medical Leave Act, and you are eligible for leave under the Act, then you may be entitled to take the time off to care for your sick sister. However, you will need to follow the procedures set forth by the FMLA and your employer's policies to request leave and provide documentation of your sister's illness. If your employer is not covered by the FMLA, in other words, if it doesn't have 50 employees, or if you are not eligible for leave under the Act, then your employer may not be legally required to provide you with time off to care for your sister. However, some employers may still have policies that allow employees to take off for family or medical reasons. So you may want to check your employee handbook or speak with your supervisor or human services representative to find out if your employer has such a policy. That is exactly right under the law. The only thing it didn't say is that you need to check your union contract. That's because it doesn't have your union contract. The unions have not been feeding union contracts into CHAT-GPT. So, the answers that I got as far as law was concerned, federal or state law, the answers were exactly right. Now, I'm not saying that every, every question you ask them is going to be right. That's why you do need a small number of experts to check them. But, for the most part, ChatGPT could solve the problem of time lost due to grievance handling. Now here's another way that ChatGPT or or any artificial intelligence could save a lot of time and money for unions, and that's training. You see, unions are very democratic, and that means that the membership gets to elect their officers. And the people that they elect have never been officers before, usually. That means that they need training. So new officers are usually, not invariably, but usually need training. And they have to have it. It usually involves long trips to faraway places to hear knowledgeable instructors from national unions. It is very expensive and it's quite inefficient. Artificial intelligence is particularly designed for uses in education. Even earlier technologies such as films on YouTube, PowerPoint presentations, and especially programmed learning modules could have already been of great use. But artificial intelligence would combine them all, and by being interactive, it could meet the individual needs of individual learners, and it could do it as well or better than taking a long trip to Detroit or Washington, DC to listen to lectures from the old hands. So you could get a lot of mileage from artificial intelligence in your training program. You could also use artificial intelligence in the things that you do to strengthen the union. Political and organizing work, which rely fundamentally on face-to-face or telephone contact, but they could be enhanced with artificial intelligence. Certainly, communications work could be improved by the research capabilities of artificial intelligence, and you could also tune up your, uh, your online communication works with artificial intelligence. Now there's a lot more study that could be done. I don't pretend to be an authority. I don't even, I can barely tell you even what artificial intelligence is, but I do know that there are lots of applications and unions that could be improved with artificial intelligence. If you just go and google artificial intelligence and labor you do not find much of practical use because the unions haven't said anything about it, or at least they haven't said anything in a positive way. Nearly everything that i found has labor misspelled. It's spelled L-A-B-O-U-R the way they spell it in the uh, United Kingdom world. But there, is, there are a few things about artificial intelligence that you can find online, and they, uh, they have some things to contribute. We'll see what comes of all this. I have a notion that unions will try to resist artificial intelligence. They'll fail because it is coming one way or the other, and they will have missed a great opportunity to have used it themselves. But maybe they won't. Maybe they'll listen to me. This is Gene Lance on the Worker's Beat Extra.